Hello, listeners. My name is Mark. If you have been enjoying the Listener Lore episodes, please come over to my separate podcast feed, Lorehammer Listener Lore. On this daily podcast channel, I will be reading one story a day and sharing your creative works with others and giving my feedback at the end. So, if you like Grimdark 40k short stories, come join me at Lorehammer Listener Lore, the 40k podcast where you get to write the script. Hello, welcome to Listener Lore number five. Number five. Number five. It's been a minute since we've dropped a uh, bonus episode. Yeah, but we figured with all the support we've been getting, uh, maybe we should... uh, That's why we're doing this? I don't know. I felt guilty taking people's money, spending it on... You feel guilty? Oh, well, because I'm not spending it on what I should be spending it on. That's where the guilt comes in. What what should you be spending it on? Uh, Things that progress the podcast and not just bags of chips. To progress my belly. Well. To each their own. Yeah, well, one benefits the other. <laughs> the, the, the less able you are to walk. <laughs> the more likely I'll just be sitting, sitting in here, front of the mic. Uh, recording, yeah. yeah. No, that makes sense. Okay, I could get behind that. Well, then I don't feel guilty at all. No, you shouldn't. We're not doing this episode anymore. That's <laughs> what I'm learning. Cool, yeah. Listen to our lore, episode five. Um, so this episode's about where you send us uh, the lore for your army. We read it out. We say thumbs up, thumbs down. Sometimes we don't say anything, apparently. Sometimes, well, I'm just, uh, it's just you and I today yeah. for this episode. Yeah. And uh, the way the new table is set up, do we feel really far away from each other? I think you're just missing the touching ability. Because I feel this is a normal table distance. This is standard. <laughs> this is what you should expect. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I feel, yeah, uh, it's just Mark and I today. Um, we've run out of friends. <laughs> so, Which actually shouldn't come as a surprise, really. Uh, it's just easier to get two people in here than uh, four, so, you know. <laughs> Much easier. Don't you worry about my friendship circle. It's ever-expanding <laughs> and pushing ever me out. Growing. They're trying to force me out. <laughs> well, I guess uh, the first story we're going to read today is uh, from Hugh. Hugh. Mr. Hugh, or a uh, hug. I don't know how to, uh, or a uh, hug. It's Norwegian. Yeah, maybe. If only James was here, he could tell us. <laughs> um, and this sounds like it's a Forge World story. I also see High Fleet Leviathan. Uh, yeah, the I Mac- saw Forge World, yeah, Leviathan, Naval Forces, Binary. We'll find out, I All think, right. is the point of this. That's You know what? That's true. No, <laughs> We're just going to like Speculate. speed. We're going to speed read right now, <laughs> but we're not going to share it with anyone. And then we're just going to be like, I wonder what that was about. <laughs> All right, I'll kick it off, I guess. Um, A small and unremarkable forge world on the outskirts of the galaxy, Xurich IV, would have passed through history without comment were it not for a faithful encounter with a small fragment of high-fleet leviathan. Already far from central imperial space and suffocated by the shadow and the warp, Xurich IV was alone and besieged. While the naval forces were able to hold an orbital stalemate with the bioships, the battle on the planetary surface was a darker story. The standing Mechanicus forces were outmatched and outgunned, and all the forges started to work overtime, all the growth tanks churning out Skatari and all the Magi chanting Bineric praise as fast as their Vox units allowed, but it was not enough. Reality is cruel, and resources were getting bare. The Tyranid hordes were slowly gaining ground, and defeat seemed inevitable. 
But the Archmagos refused to be beat, and far too stubborn to lay down and die. Intent on surviving, they sent down an order that nobody would have expected or wanted to carry out. Abandon your rituals. Use the Xenos. Victory at any cost. When the forges couldn't produce vehicles fast enough, what components they had were implanted in vast Xenos corpses, reanimated with machine spirits and motive force. When the growth tanks couldn't grow Skatari fast enough, the bodies of foul Xeno infantry were used as a base, melding human and alien flesh and cold hard metal in an unholy abomination of desperation. When the nighthouses ran out of nobles to pilot their holy machines, or simply ran outright, they assigned Magos Armigio to sit in the throne mechanicum and stride to the front lines. Only there, in the depths of heresy and far from grace, did Zurich Four find success. By casting aside all that made them just and pious, they were able to fight back and forced back the organic tide. It took nearly a decade of unending combat, of bloodshed and death on the land, and of grueling orbital warfare, but the forces of the Adeptus Mechanicus managed to drive off the high fleet and survive. But they didn't believe that this was a true victory. They had defiled their forges, violated their machine spirits, and birthed abominations that insulted the glory of the fusion between flesh and steel. The Archmagos that ordered this heresy carried out was executed for their crimes, willingly cast themselves into the planet's core in the hope they would be redeemed for their sins. But it was not enough. The entire Forge world believed that they must be cleansed, forgiven for their crimes against the Omnissiah. So they left in search of forgiveness. They gathered what materials they had, packed their forges onto their void crafts, and left their once unremarkable forge world on a pilgrimage, intent on prostrating themselves before the Omnissiah, so that they might be purged of their heresy, so that they might be cleansed and made pure once more. The forge world of Zurich Four died long ago, died on the claws and fangs of the Xenos, and on the fires of their own transgressions. But with the death of that world, the Pilgrima Repentus was born, and a great journey began. <laughs> and then he has a, a note here. It says, uh, I have some ideas for some kit bashes for these, but I haven't had the chance to put them together yet. The basic premise will be Tyranid models with parts from Admax sets used as well, like Gene Stealers with Rust Docker heads and limbs, or a Carnifex with cap cannons strapped to the side. Cool. Very cool. I have thoughts if you don't have thoughts. I see nothing wrong with this. Okay, so here's my big problem with it. Mm. He comes up with this awesome backstory about like making Nid Mechanicum hybrid type creatures. Right? I really like that. I enjoy that part. Yeah. But then he goes and he takes that away and now they're just on a pilgrim pilgrimage. So like in my mind they would no longer be using these. Yeah, they cast Xenos, aside everything. Right? So like he, he sets up this huge you idea. You could build this army, mm-hmm. but it's past its point now. You can't use it anymore exactly. because your story has progressed beyond it, it. Exactly. So that's my only thing that I'm not quite a fan of. Mm. Um, I don't know how you'd really go about solving that. Cause I, I do like the whole pilgrimage and like the whole thing that they like feel that they're shamed, but like maybe, maybe they'll just do it. Like they're taking everything that survived and they're not rebuilding new my, ones. No, my mind like, has like a, I mean, I guess it's already thought. The, the yeah. way to get around this is you yeah. s- like you splinter this forge world. Sure. Okay. So during this battle, uh, half 
like kept the fact that oh no like what mm. we're doing is an abomination like we're doing this because we have to but yeah. it's going to be bad and then half are like no like we why haven't we embraced this before like yeah, look sure. how effective it is and so when the battle is won half they cast off all ties to the xenos and they're journeying to the forge world mars to tell them of what they've done to like accept mm. their punishment or whatever yeah. to repent of their crimes and then the other half is kind of splintered off and is like no like we're going to continue to do this because yeah. it's awesome. It's kind of like a rogue. It's not really joined yeah. to the Imperium at this point. Yeah. But you would, in my mind, I just, yeah. I see like you make two Mechanicum forces, right? Yeah, yeah. Like you make one army where it's full of Carn- like Carnifex bits. Yeah. And like you have your color schemes and everything. And on the other army, it's your previous Mechanicus force abandoning yeah. all that stuff you, painted you, in the same colors. Yeah. You could even do like a cool like campaign in your head or in your lore where like uh, the Xenos ones are like trying to hunt down the yeah ones that exactly fleeing. they're trying to harry them and stop them to get the mars because yeah. they know that once it happens then yeah uh, there, gonna there's gonna be censored. a big inquisitorial yeah. purge on them yeah so it's a, it's a very cool story i i like it i like yeah. it except for when they go on the pilgrimage because yeah, it, it forces you to not use those yeah. models but other for that very cool man very cool now it's something i've never thought of <laughs> no and, and it's yeah. too heretical for my mind <laughs> so yeah yeah, like, I don't think you could get away with, like, this if it was, like, an Imperial Guard regiment or, like, a Space Marine chapter, you know, like. But since Mechanicum, it can get pretty out there. Like, there's some crazy things they do. It definitely, uh, I feel like it, you, I feel like it's possible. I, I mean, anything, obviously anything is possible. Yeah. But, yeah, like, but I. But, like, yeah, like an Imperial I, Guard regiment who's, like, picking up, like, uh, Tau rifles and stuff like that. Yeah. Like, I just don't see that flying very often. Or, or it, even if it does, like. It, they'll be just be pretty quick to abandon the the tenets of the Imperium, mm-hmm. right? Like they would just be like, "Well, I guess we're, you know, yeah, Guavessa now." Yeah, yeah, right? exactly. Like, yeah, <laughs> if they're picking up Tau rifles, they've been exposed <laughs> to the greater good, and ah! at that point, they're leaving the, the Imperium. The degeneracy of the greater good. <laughs> well, yeah. yeah, no, pretty cool. It uh, was very cool. I also like Mechanicum. Just also kit bashes well into yeah. almost everything. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Like, doesn't matter what you do, you throw enough pipes and wires and stuff <laughs> on it. It will just at look mechanicus so. Yeah, very cool. I like it. Mm-hmm. Thanks, thanks for sharing. Two thumbs up, Hugh. Yeah, I'll give him a one. Three out of four is not bad. <laughs> is that how we do this? Yeah, it's, it is. It's now. based on the thumb system. Yeah, uh, we that don't... date predates us, and it actually goes back to uh, Roman times. Oh wow! Yeah, very cool. <laughs> would you like to know more? I would love to know more about. So our... during the gladiatorial wars. Yeah, wars. Yes, there was the, war, war. the wars of the gladiators. <laughs> this is back in um, uh, Rumenius's times. Oh, right? of course, of yeah. course. <laughs> I could only think of Spartacus. It's the only thing I could think of. <laughs> uh, all right. Next story. Uh, this one is by Griff. Um, I'm going to butcher every word in it, but uh, we'll get through her. Arconia Nova is a terror-sized ice world in the Segmentum Obscurus that is home to around 3 million humans. Although... 300 million humans. Oh, there's zeros on that. Yes. Yeah. But that, that's... That's a big difference, I think. Yeah. <laughs> oh god <laughs> although it is operated by the mechanicus it is isolated its isolation has forced it to sometimes i read things and i'm like am i retarded yeah, or, or was is... that written weird and that one was written weird yeah uh, <laughs> i think it's isolation forced it to be run by the mechanicus we'll, we'll carry on here. sure i'm sorry griff you this can't... is not what any man wants for his lore no but this is what you get <laughs> 
he knew what he signed <laughs> up for. The surface of Arconia Nova consists of one supercontinent divided into five areas, which consists of a partly habitable equatorial region with forests and the occasional farmlands, still mostly ice. Uh, northeast region consists of uh, irradiated remains of high si- the hive cities burned in miles of snow and uh, buried. <laughs> My God, in miles of snow and ice. A far northeast area which hosts uh, the crash of a Necron tomb ship, and a northwest region that is more like a conventional ice world with vast empty tundras dotted with small towns, industrial plants, and finally the fifth region is just the global ocean with small islands there was there were originally 13 forges of arcona nova 3 on their prospective moons <laughs> how's my wording doing here eric pretty good pretty horrible right. <laughs> and the rest of the forges on the planet i got nothing wrong with this so he drew us a little picture here. There's, mm-hmm. there's more to his lore, but he drew a picture of like how it's actually set up, which is pretty cool. This is a Death Watch station. Yeah, that's a little foreshadowing. <laughs> so we're, we're yeah, going into it more. The system. The Nova system consists of dozens of worlds, hundreds of moons, five large asteroid belts, and three blue suns. Arcona Nova by itself has three luna-sized moons, each with uh, small shipyards, defensive fortresses, and forges. Because this dense cloud of celestial bodies travel through and around Nova System, the Nova System, without charts or maps, is very difficult. Hmm. Cool. So now we're talking about the infrastructure. Infrastructure. <laughs> I remember that. That's a throwback. <laughs> the forges themselves are larger industrial complex containing the most densely populated areas. Surrounding these are a mix of factories, mines, orbital relay stations, military outposts, hypnotic works, hyponic, I mean, <laughs> waste stations, chemical works. What are hyponic works? Uh, like water, like uh, usually hyponic is like growing weed, like you have like your whole that's hydroponics oh shit you're right maybe that's what he meant maybe hypnotic is that hypnotic it is no it's hyponic hyponic (laughs) hydroponic i think maybe i don't we don't know sorry keep reading google it i am (laughs) etc with the sporadic presence of resources the construction of facilities can vary from high-tech materials to wooden buildings with sprinkles of tech although this is almost exclusively in the farmlands Between all the forges and industrial complexes is an extensive tunnel network carved from the ice. Farming is is possible in the equatorial regions when the planet passes between the three suns. This event happens around every six Terran days, years, and causes at least 21 hours of sunlight per day. So you can only farm every six years. Mm Mm-hmm. But you can farm twenty hours, twenty one hours a day. <laughs> That's a lot of farming. This place sucks. <laughs> Induction into the Imperium. Arcona Nova was discovered by the Imperium when an ancient Mechanicum ship entered the neighboring system. After explaining who they were and where they were came from, the Mechanicus were summoned. After an assessment and check of records, Arcona Nova was brought into the Mechanicus in zero thirteen M thirty six. With this, the seventh most most powerful forge, due to it being inside the abandoned hive city, rebelled. Together, the other forges beat them back, and with the mass 
with and with a mass atomic barse. <laughs> I think bomb. I'm going to assume barse is probably actually. They just <laughs> they destroyed the forge and unfortunately uh, irradiated the ancient relics that they had within their borders. So one of them rebelled. They blew so, it to shit. Yeah, this was all. This had always been a Mechanicum world, is mm-hmm. what I'm hearing. Mm-hmm. And then one, a new one showed up, and they're like, "Oh, like come back into the fold, brother." <laughs> and yeah, one of them rebelled. Hmm. So now the defining differences of Arcona Nova between the battles of the Seventh Forge and the Necrons. The armies of the Mechanicus learned how to live and fight in this harsh environment. Many weapons and vehicles that serve the Mechanicus for M A L A R I A malaria, millennia. Let's go with millennia. millennia. Millenniums caused problems that forced rethinking of their design. For example, the Dune Crawler and many of its Legio Cybernetica robots were modified to fit the extreme environment. I wonder how. Beyond this, many of other technologies have been modified before Arcona Nova's. Integration, 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 integration. He wrote it. It's inter- integration, integration. Yeah. <laughs> Into the Imperium. Finally, <laughs> finally, with a large presence of megafauna on the planet and the limited resources available, the Mechanicum have come to the cybernetics to enhance the native animals. They can commonly be seen guarding tech priests and higher ranked Skatari. The animals can range from bears, eagle, wolves, whales, etc. Now we're talking about the Necron on the planet. Located in the northeast, the Necron tomb ship has conquered large swaths of the buried hive cities that have been sourced uh, have been a source of technology and material for millennia. Millennia. He spelled it differently again this time. <laughs> The first engagement. I'm making fun of people who can't spell, but I can't read. So am I really the one? Okay. Uh, no, no one knows if, if like, the thing is, I don't know if you're having a trouble reading this because of the way it's written. We'll go with that. Or because there's no other you. option. No, no exactly. No. Yeah, you're right. That must be. The first engagement would be the obliteration of Pi outf- outpost. Several more outposts would fall until resources were gathered from surrounding areas and assembled at Ark outpost. Together, three Imperial Knights and 600 Skatari from the 9th and 3rd Forge would hold the line against the Necron assault. The next day, reinforcements arrived from all across the world, and the moons halting the... Oh, they arrived from the world and the moons, Mm -hmm. halting the Necron advance. War has continued for 300 years. 30. (laughs) It must be 300. No, it's 30. Don't look into... Don't don't read into what I'm saying. (laughs) has continued for 30 years with a slow continuous advance of both armies attempting to annihilate each other as of 999 m41 a third battle or arc post or arc outpost is looming with both sides building up death watch the necron war was relatively isolated until a dark hunter had an inaccurate warp jump and crashed in necron territory in response, the Death Watch sent two kill teams and a dreadnought to retrieve the data and any survivors. They operated independently for several months while looking for the ship, but because of the massive network of ice caves, their attempt proved unsuccessful. They then asked for assistance for, from the Mechanicum so they could cover more ground. In return, the Death Watch would purge the Xeno scum from the world and lend aid in a worthy expedition. <laughs> Exp- Expedition? That's what he spelled. Oh. <laughs> hmm. 
during and after the campaign for the Dark Hunter, which ended in 983 M41, the Death Watch lay claim to an inactive volcano that is said to have been failed that is said to have been a failed forge. As the Imperium fashion as as is Imperium fashion, two several hundred feet tall stone statues guard the entrance to the station. As of 999 M41, the data recovered with the data recovered station is unoccupied. So the Death Watch left. Yeah. Well, sorry for butchering that. Um, <laughs> it's pretty cool. So I like I like ice caves, and I mm. like that he actually went into like telling you about the world and stuff, like the different regions and kind of how that all went about. Yeah. Who like kind of holds sway yeah. over the regions? Yeah. Um, so I I'm assuming he is a Mechanicum player. I would assume so too. Yeah. Um, and I wonder if he primarily played against Necron. Yeah. And then all of a sudden a friend joined in who played Death Watch. Uh, yes, yes. Right? <laughs> yeah, pretty cool. Um, I don't know. What do I like about it? So there's a night house also on this ha- on this planet. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think I just like a lot of the details that you don't get. Like it's not a it's not a battle yeah you get a lot of like setting of the world mm. that is nice yeah yeah that's what i like okay let's read the next one well i'm not done doing this one what are you doing to this one i'm just going back over it oh so the the war the necron have only been awake for 30 years mm-hmm. so that means the death watch haven't been there for that long either long enough to build a fortress yeah. No, I think there was two, like there was one thirty-year war, and then they kind of won or subsided, and then the Necron was still on the planet or something. Yeah, it's a thing. There's things happening. There's, many, there's a lot happening on this. Oh, the the disease. That's what I'm. The disease. Tell me more about that. Yeah, the disease that caused, um, caused them to like re. Like fit Doom Crawlers and Legio Cybernetica ah. robots modified to fit the extreme environment. I th- truly think he wrote malaria on purpose. <laughs> really? Yes. Okay. I okay. just think that he should change that. Yeah. Because humanity has been gene editing themselves for how long? Malaria is no longer a problem. Yeah. Hmm. Like we don't we don't suffer from those anymore. Hmm. Right? That's that's a that's an earth disease. <laughs> we don't suffer from earth diseases anymore, right? <laughs> We suffer from alien diseases now. I also like that he has like uh, cybernetic animals and stuff or like enhanced animals. It's pretty cool. Well, I, yeah, I wonder if it's just because like the animals um, are because this planet is like pretty tough to live in. Yeah, it says limited resources available. Yeah. So instead of like um, getting enough resources for people, they yeah. just enhance animals that already know how to exist. Sure. On the planet, and yes, yeah. that, that's a good use. That's a as long as long as you know they're still your servants and slaves, and not your lovers in the night. Right. We don't want that. Nobody yeah. wants that. Cool. You got anything else for this? I don't think so. It's interesting. Cool. Thank you, Griff. Th- thank you, Griff. <laughs> oh my God, the next one just didn't copy very well. Oh yeah. Good thing you it's, have to read it. Yeah, it's from Not a Tyranid. <laughs> Is that oh, it did not. their name? Or? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
That's their name? Yeah. Not a Tyranid. Yeah. That's what the email was from, who it was from. They didn't say, hello, my name is blank. No. They're just like, here's my lore. Blech. Straight to business. All right. Well, this is from not a Tyranid. <laughs> Mulbrick, which is situated in the Ultima Segmentum, has a rare balance of nature and a network of manufactorums that supply the world and many others. The Mechanicus owns vast manufactorums, tunnels, and slave labor all underneath the surface of the world, thus leaving the world's surface unscarred. Mulbrick was colonized in M37, but records of by whom was lost to time. All that is known is the planetary government is steeped in military tradition, and therefore the regiments and PDF always has the highest precedence. When guard regiments are requested of Mulbrick, her citizens do everything in their power to fulfill their obligation. Malbrook is governed by a council of 400 bureaucrats that represent the different aspects of the world, from food production, productivity, and other duties. A Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate megastores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Lord, who represents the world, and the council leads the world in its decisions. He or she has to leave their seat unless a vote is passed to keep them in power. One lord was in power for 461 years. That's a, that's a couple years. That's old. <laughs> uh, these council members make the world's day-to-day -day decisions with little interest to her citizens. At some point in the past, citizens were not allowed to buy food. But a rationing act was installed, which led to citizens only being able to purchase from a pre-made list of foods, food items created around their family size and age. Sounds like communism to me. <laughs> Ooh. Another decision Christian, was... Christian, turn this off before you get triggered. <laughs> it's too late. <laughs> Another decision was to ban the use of privately owned vehicles, mm. except for the use by farmers and state-run operations. The council decided it wasn't a worthwhile use of resources and they could be used elsewhere. To pacify the anger made by this decision, a massive planet-wide public transport system was created, which settled everything down. This guy really likes communism. <laughs> Some areas have only had support pylons for tracks built and since have been abandoned due to a measurement error. <laughs> Citizens are constantly sending requests to fix the issue, but there has not been a response. The Adeptus Administratum classifies this world as a civilized world, meaning that it doesn't serve a singular purpose, but holds multiple. There are five continents with many outlying islands that are all populated by either humans or servants of the Mechanicum. Much of the planet is covered in lush forests, rivers, a long desert spanning the equator, and large oceans. She has one moon, roughly the same size as Terra's satellite, and is currently owned by the Mechanicus, who is mining minerals from its crust. Mulbrick's population is estimated up to 9.5 billion. A majority of the Imperial citizens are concentrated in massive cities sprawling hundreds of miles. Surrounding the cities are well-defended anti-aircraft positions with land-to-air missile platforms and fighting positions that are said to be able to stand against any invading force. 
Malbrook's capital, boasts the one and only planetary defense laser. The council has begged the Mechanicus for more, but to no avail. Seeing that there have not been any invasions, I guess we will have to take their word for it. Dotting the planet's surface are habitation zones that serve only one purpose, feed the population through massive farming operations. Situated on one of the islands is a commandery of 200 Adeptus Sororitas, whose mission is to keep their fellow humans pure due to their unholy proximity to the Mechanicus. They often travel the globe on missions to reinforce the citizen faith. The planet is split into different zones of habitation by city-states that all answer to the planetary capital. Each city has a massive landing field where the ties are collected and sent off-world. These fields also take in supplies from space traffic. Each city acts autonomously and are self-governing, but when the yearly tithes are demanded from the Greater Imperium, each city-state should be able to meet their quota, whether it be in munitions, guard forces, food, or other resources. Culture varies from zone to zone, and all offer a unique addition to Mulbrick. For example, people native to settlements are highly adept at mountain life, scouting, and can make shelter in any landscape. Those born in cities bring an expertise of city fighting and knowledge of small oper unit operations due to the prevalence of gangs. Mulbrick boasts a sizable planetary defense force that also includes an Air Defense and Service Corps, or ADSC, that pilots the atmospheric craft. This branch performs many duties, including flying goods to and from settlements in prop-driven aircraft, patrolling uninhabited areas from the air, on standby with air-to-ground attack craft, and, due to the lack of a naval presence, atmospheric fighter craft. Settlements cannot always deliver their goods in a timely manner, so sorties are ran almost constantly, often in dangerous terrain, with short runways making takes-offs and landings rough. These aircraft operate on two propeller engines and can fold their wings for stowage in the many small airbases dotted around the world. Many in political positions argue against the use of jet-powered ground attack craft due to the fact that no cases of open warfare have been reported in the world's history but some eccentric bureaucrat at some point set in stone the use of these awe-inspiring craft. <laughs> mm -hmm. Fighter craft from the ADSC. Oh, f the fighter craft that the ADSC use can't go toe-to-toe -to -toe with craft of the Navy, but the firepower they have at their fingertips are said to make up for the other aspects they lack. Other personnel include security forces, supply specialists, and whatever else an organized military needs to succeed. The infantry, the infantry branches of the PDF is the PCSD, or the Planetary Command of Strategic Defense, or Home Guard, and consists of thousands of guardsmen that, at a moment's notice, are able to mobilize the defense of Mulbrick. These men and women are issued tan fatigues, an autogun, a flak vest, helmets, and a field pack with extra gear they may need. Mulbrick's government has no interest in arming the Home Guard with weapons that are meant for regiments sent off-world. Instead, cheap-to-produce autoguns is the preferred choice. Infantry platoons often have one, sometimes two special weapons, mainly grenade launchers or Bren guns. Is Bren guns a thing? Not in 40k, as far as I'm aware. Okay. But I'm sure in real life it's something. Mm. Maybe it's like a heavy sure. weapon. A company can only expect to have one heavy gun, usually an autocannon, 
due to their ease of production. There are well-defended bastions housing multiple brigades spread around the world, positioned at strategic locations that can easily deploy to attack an invading force. The largest formations are brigades, which fall under orders from their city-states. PCSD has brigades of 3,000 guardsmen. Jobs vary from infantry, logistical groups, and other units. All brigades are armed and operated in the same manner, with few armored brigades that are used. The council sees no purpose in producing and maintaining tanks and APCs, since the upkeep is too costly. Funding would rather be spent on the much-needed Air Corps anyway. The Mechanicus tend to stay on their island or underground. Due to their secretive nature, not much is known of their daily activities. All the Mechanicus asks of the planet's government is that a supply of slave labor be given as payment for the manufacturing output. Their island is covered in workshops, slave quarters, landing fields, and vehicle bays. Like roots of a tree, tunnels make their way through Mulbrick's crust, searching out for ore, ferrying supplies to and from cities, and massive underground manufactorums. These industrial zones are deep underground where they are safe from invasion. Security is entrusted to the ranks of Skitari clad in sky-blue cloaks and armed with devastating weapons. When the request for guard regiments be risen as tithe, a test depending on the guardsman's job will be performed by all military personnel. Brigades are hand-chosen by those high in the military ranks to perform these tests and become eligible to be sent off-world as a guardsman. Not all brigades can be mobilized, enabling a defense to be constantly held on Malbrick. Those taking part in the test are forbidden from speaking about it to anyone, so it is unclear what tasks each man and woman has to perform. Speculation is the guardsman is tested in mind and body, relating to their job and if they can perform it at a predestined standard. For those who fail this test, a wide range of punishments are performed, ranging from manual labor, extension of their service contract, or servitude. All guardsmen, once they pass, are then trained with the use of las guns, special weapons, and more training regarding their jobs. They return they turn in their kit and are given new uniforms, a las gun, or special weapons if they are chosen, and new equipment. They are then sent to the stars to do the Emperor's will. Aha. Uh-huh. So this world yeah. is run by like a single person, which is fine. Yeah. Um and there's a bunch of cities and settlements that also are... Because he said they're autonomous. Yeah, yeah. But he also said that the government removed all cars yeah, very and removed he- all every, food. Very heavily regulated. So not autonomous. No. I. This one's a little tough for me. So I... Just the picture I'm getting doesn't... There's a lot of pieces that I don't see how they all fit together. Yeah, so yeah, that's exactly what I was going to say. Like, um, you're telling us a bunch of stuff about the planet... Yet there doesn't really seem to be anything happening on the planet. And then what's important, because I'm assuming you play Imperial Guard. I, I hope so after I, all that. And then you have one paragraph at the end, very end about the Imperial Guard testing. Mm-hmm. So you have all this information about the planet that is irrelevant to, to your army, which is it's cool to have a setting. It's, it's the background. It, so I, I think like the way I picture it based on what he said yeah. is that I don't think in his Imperial Guard there's any tanks. And the reason yeah. being is because this planet doesn't produce any tanks, so they aren't trained in any tanks. Yeah, and maybe so there's, that's it. there's tidbits in here about, yeah. like, the history 
of their army and how it's trained yeah. about how that translates to what I'm assuming is his mm, guard. Sure. Which are which are okay. And it's nice that those are kind of just layered in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I think it's, like, it's a lot of information for very small I just like the payout. <laughs> like you they have they seem to have such a heavy military presence. Yeah. But they also do not have a history at all oh. of there being any kind of conflict on the planet. Yeah. Which is like why would you do this? Why is there such a strong military presence? And yeah, yeah when like I get no war. Yeah. I get that yeah. you like give your tithes to the yeah. Imperium or whatever, but you can do that and focus on like food production as well and pour yeah. all your money into that. Yeah, right. Yeah. So I think if I was to add one thing, um, it, it's one sentence, and it would change the entire way you would read this <laughs> lore. At the very end, you do a sentence like. All this matters because chaos has arrived hmm. or something like that where now it's like, oh, now we get to actually see how all these uh, these self-run states and their militaries and how the Air Force is actually going to fight. All that actually then comes into play because chaos has arrived to the planet. Yeah. You know, something like that. Because, yeah, it, was just, it just felt like there's a lot of information for a very small payout of Imperial Guard. Like, oh, mm-hmm. OK, so they don't use vehicles. Yeah, and and there's also like there's a throwaway line. Like obviously you don't feel it's a throwaway line. Oh yeah, Mister Not a Tyranid. Yeah, but to he's not me, even a person though. No, so we can criticize. Yeah, I guess I shouldn't have assumed. Um, Zer, not a not a Tyranid. <laughs> um, but you have a line that says there's 200 Adeptus Sororitas on the planet. Yeah. Why? Why? Like because and then yeah. the next thing is because of their unholy proximity to the Mechanicus. The Mechanicus are not unholy. Yeah, it's a good thing. Like, I, need them. <laughs> I don't understand. Like, does the planet itself have a prejudice against Mechanicus? That's, yeah. that's one thing. If you were to yeah. say, like, the planet, like, views the Mechanicus as something mm. that is unholy and that you should never, like, join and don't look at them or whatever, and then they would enforce it themselves. But yeah. someone like the Adeptus Sororitas, yeah. they're beyond those petty things and they understand how important the Mechanicus is. Yeah. And inhabiting the same location geographical location as them is not a problem yeah as well you also say that mechanicus has no presence on the surface of the planet yeah it's all underground so they have like one island so how are these people like being affected i just (laughs) there just seems like you're adding a flavor of oh there's like contention between these the sororitas and the like the mechanicus and who has like political favor right but but it's like they, they're not ever going to be interacting with each other. Yeah, it just... Like, yeah, I, I hear what you're saying, exactly. Uh, now, once again, if you add that and then chaos arrives, sure. now when you're building your army, you, you can have a sister's representation in your army or whatever. Oh, you could say, and then the Necron arrived, or then yeah. the Tyranids arrived. Exactly. But what's, why is there a need for all this conflict resolution between people when there's no conflict? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Sure, or you can sure. say, like, it happened, t- like, 10,000 years ago. Like, their planet was ravaged, and so ever since then... Everything that they do revolves around their fear. That would be a good way to do it. Too. Their fear yeah. that something is going to rise up again, right? Yeah. So they, the government oppresses as much yeah. as possible because yeah. there was a cult that rised up or chaos took root yeah. or the Mechanicus dug too far and awakened Necron. Like <laughs> you can, Yeah, I think that would definitely add either a sentence at the beginning saying like, yeah, this happened to the planet, it was ravaged, or a sentence at the end saying it's about to get ravaged. Right, yeah. So, like there's there has got to yeah. be a reason for all this. And I yeah. think I I think you've got great bones. Sure. Like and like, obviously I, I you're extremely detailed. Yeah, and I love stuff like that. Yeah. But 
it, it just I feels- just think there needs to be a purpose for all the detail and currently I just I don't get yeah. one out of it. I constantly say like um when you're writing a story you need you, you need your army to have some downside some conflict and there's just nothing here well their conf- their downside i think they have a downside i don't think I, they have I a guess. conflict yeah yeah their yeah. downside is that the government doesn't care about the the military but their military is huge yeah 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 well you know the funds have already been spent eric <laughs> i guess <laughs> yeah it's interesting i think yeah just one of those tweaks i think you can tweaks. really yeah. you can really turn that around into something grim dark or even like hopeful you can even say like because of this they were able to stand their ground against something when it eventually did come and exactly uh, it depends on what you want to go for yeah cool well thanks for sharing not thank a you uh zir not a tyranid mm-hmm. <laughs> all right up next <laughs> Let, before we dive into this, how do you say the 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 Pahari? Pahara Sipahi? Saipahi? Okay. Now that I know that, I'll be able to read this flawlessly. Pahara. I, yeah. This story is from Carl. Carl. <laughs> hey, I went up to it and I stabbed him uh, 37 times in the chest. Carl. That's how you kill people. <laughs> oh. Oh, oh, I God. am sorry. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> All right. First regiment. The Pahari Sapari. <laughs> <laughs> what happened to, and now I'm going to be able to read this. <laughs> <laughs> From the hive world, Pahari <laughs> is a planet to the galactic northeast. During the Horus Heresy, it was a major hive world, but has since fallen into decline. The age of apostasy sent it over the edge with 20 of its 24 major hives being damaged or abandoned. 3, 12, 17, and 21 are still inhabited, 12 being the capital. Much of the world has been taken over by jungle and various mutated plant and animal life. The planet became a target of chaos and dark elder uh, pirate raids and spawning several chaos cults. It was uh, slated for extermination in the early years of M41 when the revival of sorts took place. A preacher guru <laughs> came calling for devotion and service to the emperor uh, and demanded that the world be made ready for a coming storm so they began to purge of the hives so they began a purge of the under hives and wasted spaces turning them into training fields and hunting grounds the inquisition viewed this whole affair with suspicion and the ecclesiarchy is uncomfortable of the unorthodox practices and teaches teachings of their gurus but so far, the new soldier saints have served the will of the High Lords without fault. The return of the Ultramarines Primarch and the opening of the Great Rift is hailed as a, as the time, is hailed as the foretold storm. I get it. And now all must be given for the Emperor of Mankind. The Hapari, the Fafari, Sapari are primarily an infantry guard regiment. Due to the decline of the planet and the beginning of the Dark Imperium, the lack of access to supplies of other regiments, the makeup of this, the makeup for, the makeup for this with discipline. They, I think. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and as much tactical flexibility as possible, fielding light infantry and shock troops regiments. They are equally at home in guerrilla warfare or as a line infantry. They follow a unique branch of the imperial cult. One of the uh, one of the culture things they have. If you die in battle, you go to be with the emperor to await the last great battle. If not, 
you are reincarnated to try again until you get it right. Quote, get it right. (laughs) (laughs) Not Krieg-level fanatics, but pretty gung-ho. If you do commit some fault or just live an unworthy life, you might come back as a mutant or something so you can think about how you screwed up. As a sign of devotion and faith, they refuse to wear helmets. Instead, most guardsmen will wear a cap or turban. After all, the Emperor protects. They are particularly experienced fighting Chaos and Dark Eldar, though the opening of the Great Rift has put a huge strain on their limited resources. Inspired by the real-world Sikh and Gurkha soldiers? Gurkha. Gurkha. Particularly during the First World War. That's his lore. All right. So there's like three things in this that I really like. Go on. So the first one... um, is a preacher or guru yeah. calling for devotion service to the emperor demanded the world be made ready for a coming storm. Yeah. Obviously prophetic in somehow. Yeah, for sure. Right? Yeah, yeah, because sure. the whole, ex- it was slated for extermination. And then this one guy yeah, shows yeah. up and he's like, no, like get ready. <laughs> um, so I like to, I either, there's, I guess there's two options for him. One is he just w- was in the communication flow or something and heard about it and decided yeah. to change it. Or he has some kind of prophetic ability. Yeah, which is a thing. Right, of course, yeah. yeah. The other one is the Inquisition doesn't like this and the Ecclesiarchy doesn't like this. <laughs> and I like that. Yeah. I like the fact that, because um, the Ecclesiarchy should be happy with anyone who worships the emperor as a god. Yeah. But what if it's he's outside of their control? Yeah. Right? Because like, the Ecclesiarchy is like, yeah, all about power and holding power over the... Exactly. Over they just, they just yeah. mask themselves as a religious organization when yeah. truthfully they're all about power. Yeah. Right, and there might be the actual naive person who oh, believes sure. they are about religious, yeah, yeah. But truthfully, Serving like they're just—they're yeah. not. Yeah. So I like that. Yeah, that's cool. Um, the other thing is their reincarnation ability. Yeah, I like that one. I think that's I, I my like favorite. that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it kind of has like a a Valhalla feel to it, kind of where if you died with honor, you go into Valhalla, wait with Odin for like yeah. the final battle. Yeah. Uh, I don't know enough about like Sikh actual religion to know if there's like an aspect of that in it, mm-hmm. but I, I enjoy that thing. Like, yeah, yeah. Like if you do it right the first time, you're just going to get to wait with our God. Yeah. Yeah. Until yeah. you get it back. And if you screw up, you're <laughs> you going to come as back as a mutant. <laughs> so yeah, no, it's cool. And that really plays into like his whole, he, the level of fanaticism and mm-hmm. stuff. Cause it's it, definitely feels like a fanaticism level. Like yeah. this, guru or preacher right had to like whip everyone up into like accepting what he was saying either through fear or like radicalism somehow yeah i like this yeah it's very cool (laughs) i would i would like to see his models yeah i wonder like obviously none have helmets which is fine but like has he modeled them with like caps or turbans on yeah and like there are third-party bit stores that do oh yeah of course and like even the uh terrellian desert Rough Riders or Terrellian Death. The dog people? No, no. No. No, no. Um, it's an Imperial Guard regiment. Uh, Jamie, pull it up for us. Yeah, I wish we had that right now. <laughs> we had a goddamn TV mount. <laughs> uh, no, Terrellian. Whatever. Rough Riders. Yeah. Something. They, they, they're like a desert. They're very much based on like Middle Eastern type look. With like an archetype. Like, yeah, like desert raiders. Hmm. So maybe he's even using them. Be very cool. Yeah, I like it. It's pretty cool. Couple it, cool things, like you said. Particularly experienced at fighting chaos and dark elder. The opening of the great rift has put a huge strain on their limited resources. Yeah, they are in the dark imperium, so they lack access to the supplies of other regiments. 
think the Dark Imperium is sufficient enough. It's half a galaxy. Yeah. I think they're going to be fine. The, well, yeah. but warp travel, I guess. Well, no, like there's Forge Worlds is enough in the Dark Imperium. Yeah, I know, but you to even get from one forge to another planet. Oh, because they lack the Astronomicon. Yeah, so you're it, right. It is a you little know tougher. What? Now I agree. Yeah. <laughs> now I agree. <laughs> uh, very cool. Um, yeah, I don't have anything Pahara else to say about Sapahi. that. Pahara I wonder if that's like an actual um, like unit or mm-hmm. regiment or whatever squad that existed like in World War One or something. Yeah, quite possible. Cool. Um, yeah. Thanks for uh, submitting. So we are still taking Thanks, listener. Carl. Thanks, Carl. You <laughs> should, Carl, if you listen to this, send us pictures. Yeah. Because we're super curious. Yeah. Or just join our Discord and post them there and tag tag one yeah, of us. Discord's in been pretty cool. There's been a couple things in there that have been fun to do. Lots of cats. Yeah. Cassie loves it. Is she posting in there? Uh, yeah, she did today. Yeah, her herself, right? Yeah, yeah. I, I called that immediately. As soon as I saw it, I'm like, Mark didn't fucking post this. <laughs> Cassie did. <laughs> that bitch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so if, if you want us to read, uh, send your lore to us. Send it to the Lorehammer podcast, or actually just lorehammerpodcast at gmail.com. Yeah, um, get, in, get in contact with us on Facebook or Instagram or anything before. and But include your name. We should have Maybe we should have stated that to not a tyrannid. No, not a tyrannid. That was his name. That's what he put. I know, but oh, like he wanted to, yeah. Zer wanted to be introduced as, <laughs> as not, not a, a tyrannid. tyrannid. Yeah, that was. Dang. Maybe <laughs> because of like the the ties to communism, he didn't want us uh, to know his name mm. so Christian couldn't murder him. <laughs> Maybe. That, that's my guess anyway. Yeah. Um, cool, yeah, yeah, but send it to us. Mark and I are going to attempt to put more of these out. Even if yeah. we can't get other people, we'll just do it ourselves and yeah. hang out and chat about this. Yeah. Um, cool. Very cool. I think that's that's all. Check us out on Discord. Check us out on Facebook, Instagram. Contribute to our Patreon, whatever. Yeah. Send us your firstborn child. This is the first episode we've done in the studio with soundproofing. I wonder how it sounds. I don't know. Good to know. I don't listen to podcasts, so. No, why would you? <laughs> I don't know. Anyways, guys, we'll see you later. It's cool. Thanks. Bye. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today.